The following audio message is from Neighborhood Church in Overland Park, Kansas. At Neighborhood Church, we seek to be a community that loves God and our neighbors together. If you would like to learn more about Neighborhood Church, please go to www.neighborhoodchurchop.com. Well, we are in uh, 1 John, as Rivers mentioned, and if you have a Bible, turn to 1 John chapter 2. Uh, if you need a Bible, there's some underneath the chairs now. Um, you can use one of those. And if you need a Bible to take home with you, uh, that is for you, a gift for you. Or if you know somebody who needs a Bible, feel free to take that as well. I want to begin this morning with a question. Are you making love known? This is our theme for the summer and Maybe each week we should ask this question. How is that even happening? What does that look like for us as a community, as a church, but also what does it look like for you individually? Before we get into the sermon today, let's pray along these lines. Father, I thank you for uh, the gift, the gift of faith in you today. Thank you for the ability to come to church and gather, not just physically, with the health you gave me, what a gift that is to be able to do that. Not just the gift of a a healthy church or a a building uh, that's that's here to provide a space forth with sound and a roof over our heads and the correct air temperature. And not even just that we have a country where we are free to come and serve and give and, and, and worship in your name, Jesus. But I thank you for the cross. I thank you for the gift of knowing that I can come before you, God. I can come before you a perfect God because of what Jesus has already done, how he has paid for my sin, and he's paid for the sin of all those who believe in you. May we be a church full of love on the inside and outwardly. It's in your name. Amen. So as we have a theme, love made known, I do want to ask this question, do you have love? Do you have love in your life? How did you get it? How do you, how do you have the kind of love that you have? And if you have love, is anyone else that knows you, are they experiencing love? Are they experiencing love from you. And thirdly, if others do experience love from you, what kind of love is it? Do they see what kind of love you are giving to them? Our hope is um, that we express the kind of love that we find John talking about here, this love main known kind of love. It's In the Greek, the word he continues to use is the agape word, love. We have lots of ways that we use love from burritos to our spouses. So there's lots of ways we use it as well. But in the Greek, there's actually specific words. And this kind of love is maybe best described in the word love in John 3.16 that John also penned from the words of Jesus. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. That's a pretty big love to give up your son as a sacrifice 
for a sinner. That's agape type of love. It's deeply caring. It's deep affection with no strings attached. We know that from another verse in the Bible that uses the word agape. Romans 5.8, but God shows his agape, his love for us, that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. So this love made known is a demonstration type of love. And at Neighborhood Church, we want to be a community that loves, and we can love because he first loved us, just as John began this letter. John knew and knows Jesus. That's how he began the letter of 1 John. And John taught that Jesus' love can be experienced. It can be accepted and known in his day, even after Jesus has ascended. And even for us today, 2,000 years later. And as we continue to study and preach these truths that John penned many years ago, we want you to know that the love of Jesus, this sacrificial love with no strings attached, a kind of love that a father would sacrifice his own son for another's sinful forgiveness. That's my hope, that we would make this kind of love known. And before we begin reading, I want to remind us just a question from Joel's message last week. How many Joels does it take to change a light bulb? I'm just kidding. Some of you guys knew Joel's big purpose. I don't know how many that is, actually. But seriously, Joel focused on this first part of chapter 2 of 1 John, And the focus of obedience. And what is the expectation of those who are following Jesus? That we should obey. And that shows something. And what it shows, it shows true commitment and love to God and love to others. Love is kind of like the circulatory system in our bodies. You know, that's that's the system in our bodies. If you can go back to eighth grade biology that pumps blood throughout your body. So it's air and nutrients and all the things that the body needs to function. And we've been talking a lot about the church, neighborhood church specifically. It's a bunch of different body parts that all uh, are developed and trained and have backgrounds to do different things or things more aligned for the way God's designed you. And that's a good thing. That we're all different, it's a good thing. So we all don't have right you know, index fingers, because if one of them gets messed up, it really kind of messes up the whole body. But that we're all different, we're all in different stages. But that love, it's the idea of the circulatory system that kind of connects all the body parts. And that makes sense. What happens if one part of the body stops getting blood? Or what if one part of the body stops getting love? It causes problems for the body. And my hope today is that we will seek to love. So let's begin reading. 1 John 2, 7 is where we are at today. Beloved, I am writing you no new commandment, but an old commandment that you had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word that you have heard. At the same time, it is a new commandment that I am writing you, which is true in him and in you, because the darkness 
is passing away, and the true light is already shining. So what is this command? Well, you can see pretty quickly here, it's love, don't hate in this passage. And we can see that John is specifically referring to a command of Jesus that has been taught. And if you can go back with me to the, the Holy Week, right before Easter, on Thursday night, Jesus is with his disciples in the upper room, and he washes their feet. And then Judas has a conversation, and Jesus says, Judas, you go do what you need to do. And of course, Judas is going to go betray him. And what does Jesus do next? Well, the very next thing Jesus does is has a conversation with his disciples about loving one another. John 13, 34, this is what he said. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You are also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. And what did they just see Jesus do? Wash their feet. They just saw Jesus wash Judas' feet. And then he says, after Judas leaves, hey guys, Let's love one another. So the new commandment is kind of an old commandment. The author and his readers are maybe thinking, okay, now which commandment he's talking about? But it's this commandment that they heard when they met Jesus for the first time. Now, Jesus had ascended, but when they met Jesus the way that we met Jesus, through giving our lives to him. So John's not imposing some new law that they haven't heard about before, but he's reminding them of something they've already known, to love one another. And he uses this old, new lingo. And we use this lingo in our language as well sometimes. Say you have a, a brand new car, but it's a used car, because most of us probably buy used cars. So it's a used car in the driveway, and you're talking to your spouse. You're like, hey, honey, which car are we taking? And you're like, the new to us old one. Like, that makes sense. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, totally. It's the new one, but it's like the 10, right? So the new commandment is love each other as I have loved you. But it's the same one Jesus said 50 years ago to his disciples and to John. John is saying, keep doing what I taught you to do, love. Continue with the process. How do we love? Well, you remember the way Jesus loved? Especially that environment when he taught us this commandment. He washed feet of those he loved and those that loved him back and those that were expecting to betray him. 1 John 2, 8, we read, at the same time, it's a new commandment that I am writing to you, which is true in him and in you because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. And from this, we get our first point today. Love made known is a process. Love made known is a process. 
Let's look at the passage one more time. At the same time, a new commandment, which is true and in him and in you, because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. God's love is true and in him and in us as all Christians. When you become a Christian, you get a new identity. You get the, this love in you. It's true. It's genuine. It's righteous. It's good. This is what John is saying. He justifies. There's a, there a specific transition from being an enemy of God to being a friend of God. This is what he's talking about. It's true in you. You have something. The saving work of Jesus has changed you. He takes our sin and he gives us his perfection. But secondly, but living this new identity out, it's a process. This new light in us is there, but the darkness, it's passing away. But the true light of Jesus is already shining. And I believe as long as we live on this planet together, that we will need to live a life of repentance. And this is the darkness passing away. This is recognizing the broken pieces, having feelings of remorse, telling God and often telling others that you're sorry. And then what happens? What's the next stage? Well, the darkness slowly begins to pass away. There is a progression in our life when this happens. Each time we feel closer and closer to Jesus because the blanket of sin starts getting holes in it, if you will. And the light begins to shine more and more. Our steps begin to align with the steps of Jesus. When he said, love one another, how? How I have loved you. He is the one that will give us the light, but also reveal to us where the sin is. And the big word in church is called sanctification. The process of becoming more and more like Jesus. Which another way to say that is the process of removing more and more darkness. So more Jesus Light shining through you does not mean you keep adding more and more light bulbs to your spirit or more and more Jesus of his fire in your spirit. What it means is the brokenness around you begins to fall away. And the identity that we just started with, that true identity of a perfect Jesus wanting to live through you is more and more revealed. The light is being blocked, but repentance and following God allows you to see more and more clearly the way you should live. So the question is, where are you in this process this morning? The idea of the light in you and the darkness passing away. Well, first of all, you have to have the light. And that means give your life to Jesus. 
I know there's some students and kids, a part of our church, that are in this season trying to decide if they want to give their life to Jesus. There's adults in this room probably that are considering, should I give my life to Jesus? And my hope for you is that you will trust that your relationship with God is the most important thing. And without Jesus, you cannot have a relationship with God. And how that happens is you say, Jesus, I know there's brokenness in my life and I'd like your light to live inside me. I'd like you to be, I'd like you to be in me. And I want to be a satisfied child of God. I want to recognize that my sin separates me from you, but you paid for that sin on the cross. And when you agree with that, and you believe Jesus Christ is living, and he's active, and he wants to welcome you into the family of God, and say, Jesus, be my Lord, that is what a Christian is. If you'd like to make that decision, please talk to me. Talk to a godly person you know. Say, I think I'm ready for Jesus to be my Lord. And we will help you understand what that means and help you in your sanctification, the process of growing. But for many that are here today, you've already accepted the light. And maybe for many of you today, it's been dozens of years ago when that happened. Is the darkness still passing away in your life? Are you still living a life of repentance? And maybe coming to church, one thing for you, it's, it's a weekly rhythm of being reminded of Jesus and being around other Christians and saying, I haven't thought about this until this morning or during that confession time where, you know, these service leaders keep making me stop for 30 seconds. <laughs> and God brings something to mind. And my hope is it's a good thing and you keep coming back. Because it, it shows us and we al allow ourselves to recognize we have many areas of growth. And I'm not saying do them all today, but I'm saying start doing something. Let the darkness pass away so Jesus can shine more and more through you. Are you growing? How we define di discipleship, this idea of growing as a disciple of Jesus Loving one another as Christ has loved us, that kind of growing. We say growing in our love for God and our neighbors together. How does your church define discipleship? Growing in our mission, loving God and our neighbors together. And a key word in this is together. So I want to suggest a few things. First of all, if you're not daily doing something with Jesus, you should start. Start small. Start with five minutes of something. Start with a small devotion that you, instead of looking at your phone first, you grab a little devotional. If you don't know what that is, I'll give you one. Maybe it's ending the night saying, God, here's some thoughts of the day. But my hope is that you would become more and more robust in your time with God each day. One rhythm my family does is we try to pray around meals. And oftentimes we'll pray for something other than just the food. I eat at least four times a day. These are good things. But secondly, not just alone or not just with your family, 
but that you would grow in Christ together with the church body. So many of you I see in the room, you're a part of our church community. Are you involved? Are you growing in community with somebody in this room or somebody that's a part of our church? We have online things for people who aren't ready to meet yet. We have people who meet with people online so we have that community and growth. We have youth group. We have ministry teams. We have things like the band and women's ministry and men's ministry. We have tons of things. My hope for you is that you would find communities to be a part of where you can rub shoulders with men and women, maybe in your season of life even, and especially seasons of other parts, of other seasons of life that you can learn from. My desire is that we be a church that constantly is growing in our love for God and our neighbor's together and the darkness would be passing away for us individually but also as a community there's a decision we're making or we've made that we've decided in june we're going to be changing our service time to 10 30 so that nine o'clock we just have open discipleship the church is here many of you guys are already here coming early that the band i don't know if they said they would but we changed it so the band's going to start coming even earlier to allow this time if you want to use this space or another space in the church, like work days yesterday, we've set up new classrooms so we can have uh, kids going down to the classroom area for the children and begin building uh, rooms for adult rooms with couches and, and comfy seating so you're not sitting in little kid chairs. Not to say you guys were doing that, but you know what I mean. We're trying to set up spaces as a church leadership so that you as the church body can grow in your love for God and your neighbors together. In the fall, I know there's going to be a, a, a lady Sunday school class that's going to start. I'm excited about that. Is there something that you would like to lead or there's a, a Bible study that you'd like to move to Sunday morning because you're just being inconsistent in other times? We're going to make that time available at 9 o'clock. And we're calling it open discipleship because we want the church to use their gifts. We will provide different seminars and things throughout the year. But my hope for you is like the men's breakfast, the first one on Sunday. It's at 9 o'clock now. We'll probably have twice as many men there because <laughs> it's two hours later, right? My hope for you is that this church becomes a place for you to grow. And I've shared a lot about the building. But this church was started with no church building. And most of us spend 95 plus percent of our time not in this space. My hope is that you continue to call people as Rob did me this last week. Hey, let's grab some lunch. We continue to meet with one another at different places. As your home becomes more and more safe because COVID, it seems like with vaccinations and things like that, you begin having people over. That you would continue to show the light of Jesus in all the places that you are going. Let's continue reading. 1 John 2, 9. Whoever says he is in the light and hates his brother is still in darkness. Whoever loves his brother abides in the light, and in him there is no cause for stumbling. But whoever hates his brother in the darkness and walks in the darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. As we've been going through 1 John, we've learned there's a, a group of people that are teaching the gospel plus. They're adding things to the gospel. They're changing the gospel. 
And it seems like the way that John is writing this letter to the churches, some of these people will read it. And they have maybe discussed about hating John and hating the ways and teachings of John because they don't align with their teachings anymore. This is, this is to the church. This is a church problem. So point number two today, hate hides love. Hate hides love. Now John gives a test to literally see if one is in the darkness or not. Do you have the light? Is the light shining through you? Well, do you hate? And that doesn't mean do you hate all things. But is there a brother or sister in Christ right now that you hate? And what is that doing? Well, one, it could be revealing something about your own light. But secondly, it's in stark contrast to the love that God expects. You might say, well, Dave, we've been talking about, you know, loving God and our neighbors. And now you're bringing up our family here. Well, why is it so hard that in our own families we find the most disunity? Why is that? Our, our biological families or our church families? Why is that? Well, I want to start with maybe the positives because we want so much more for them. We have expectations for people that we care about. Their opinions matter to us. They're in our family. There's a connection there that God's given to us because they're family. Many times we see them more often because they're family. We should be closer to them, but we're not. And that bothers us because we're family. We know their opinions and we disagree. And that's hard. And then we're told we should love them and we don't even like them. That's hard. But do you see how this when this translates into the church body, how it breaks the very idea of church, when we hate a brother or a sister in Christ, maybe if there's a way we can turn that to love and hope and be sad about where somebody is at without hating them. And oftentimes you can find out if you hate somebody is if you talk positively or negative about them when they're not around. Why do you want somebody else to get in your mind and think negatively about them? That kind of falls in light with hatred. There's many things that we do. We are pretty evil people with one another. But I hope for our church, you'll see the important the importance of why we can't hate brothers and sisters in Christ, especially in your local body. The Father calls all of us into his family 
It's a big family, but many of you are called into this neighborhood church family. And let's be reminded from John 13, 34, why it's so important that we don't hate brothers and sisters in Christ. A new commandment I give to you, this is Jesus, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. 35, by this all people will know that you're my disciples if you have love for one another. Love makes God known. And if you have a bunch of bickering and hatred in a community, who's, that? who's the father of that family? Goodness. Do you see the problem? When the church is not living in unity? But when it is, it's a beautiful thing. Our purpose is to know God, glorify God. If the family of God is in battle, we are not displaying the God that we worship. You may even have heard, or maybe you have even said, that is not a group I would even want to be a part of. Maybe you've said that before. Maybe you've been in an unhealthy Christian community before. It's like, I don't even want to be a part of this anymore. I don't want to be a part of the family of God anymore. I don't want to be a part of the body of Christ anymore. That's why he is saying, don't hate brothers and sisters in Christ. But... For some of us in the room, we have light-filled experiences in churches. And I hope that you're having one here at Neighborhood Church. And this is love for one another that Jesus commands of us. And my hope is that you hold tightly to that in this community. Brothers and sisters in this church have reminded you that you're forgiven when you've mentioned sin to them. They've pointed you to Jesus. They've brought you into community. They've accepted you where where you are. You know what that's like? That's what Jesus does. And that's what we get to be as a church for one another. We get to love with no strings attached because all of us in the room We all know that we're sinners, saved by the grace of Jesus. Amen. May we be a church where love is made known, and you're reminded of God's love for you, which you have received, and that love will overflow into all those in your family, in your neighborhood, your workplaces, and your schools. And they can also love Jesus because he loved them first. I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray through the end of this passage as we pray. Father, I thank you for this church, as John writes, the children. I thank you because you have forgiven sins in the name of Jesus. I thank you for 
the older saints in the room because they have known you for so long. I write to those that are younger in the faith and are growing. Thank you for helping them overcome the evil one. Father, I thank you for a church that knows you as Father, as we sang today. Father, thank you that you've helped make us strong, that the word of God abides in us, and you help us remove the darkness. We ask all this in your name. Amen.